almost spilled, but I got the glass in front of this can just in time. Welcome to uh, Drink to the Past, the only podcast where you, for some reason, can't watch us uh, open our beers, but can watch the rest of what we're doing, or at least what I'm doing, and Chris's picture of a flapper girl here, and whatever Chris is going to put in this magic box over here. It's going to be technical and something slightly less, less redneck than we have been in the past, but still rather redneck. Anyways, this is where I can play game trailers for shit that me and Sean talk about. Yeah, like uh, fancy people. Except yeah. it's going to be like on the fly instead of like edited into a professional video. Yeah, this is this is not <laughs> professional at all. Please don't get the wrong idea. Right? Yeah, uh, we're we're just a couple of drunken nincompoops that are are making a podcast about beer and uh, also video games and tabletops, uh, but. Yeah, alright, so Chris, what you drinking today? Uh, and thank you for this. Barrel-aged Innis and Gun Blood Red Sky, which is a rum barrel red beer. And I'm actually kind of digging it. It's a lot mellower than most barrel-aged beers I've had. I'm usually not a fan of reds either, but I'm liking the combination. Awesome. Yeah, um, I, uh, I was gonna have the same beer with you, but then earlier this week I just kind of had a day that I was just like... Nope, fuck it, I'm drinking beer. Uh, so I, I drank one of those uh, earlier this week. Uh, I was just wandering by those in the liquor store, and it was, like, all I saw was Rum Barrel and uh, $4.99, and I was like, yes, I will buy a four-pack of anything Rum Barrel aged for five bucks. That is okay by me. So I was like... This, and this is really me. good. Yeah, uh, so I liked it pretty well, too. It's, like, ridiculously smooth. Um, like beyond what normally I would expect for a red ale, especially. Um, and then it does get a lot more of that sweetness uh, from the barrel aging. So I like that one pretty well. Um, Sean drinks something stupid today is a mojito, which one is of one of my wife's favorites. Uh, and uh, No rimmer. It's a little bit... Is it supposed to have a rimmer? Uh, mojitos typically have a sugar rimmer. Hmm. Also, you might want to type a response to a thing in the general chat. Um, if I bring up the general chat, the entire public will see it. And so I'll see that later, maybe. Uh, or I could look on... Uh, no, I can't use my phone because I'm using my phone as a webcam uh, because it oh. has a better camera than my actual webcam. So well, well, I'll get to it later. Nick is asking if he would... Oh, yeah, put Nick could on. Join it. Yeah, he can join yeah. in. Yeah, that'll be awesome. Uh, tell him yeah, um, and then he can join in and have his face and naked body on this show again, accidentally, <laughs> like last week. I was, yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure he was just naked. He might have just had his shirt off, but I think it's more interesting if the audience just imagines Nick naked. I don't want to think of that. Oh. My wife doesn't want to think of that. Anyways, uh, yeah, so this is the same little cocktail shooter thing. It's like you pour it in a bottle and then put in a shot of X booze. Uh, so I had one of these at some point on the podcast other than this back a couple of months ago or something. Um, and it was okay. Uh, but this time I'm doing it with Kraken instead of, I think I had Captain Morgan at the time. Uh, so we'll see if this is any better. Still mostly tastes like sweet stuff. All I'm seeing on your live feed here, Chris, is basically a purple screen. Is that correct? 
A purple screen inside of a YouTube window. Yeah, basically. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Managed to close all your porn tabs before we started recording. No, they're just in another browser. That makes sense. Second monitor? So, yeah, <laughs> just just different browser. I, I mean, I don't need to look at that while right. we're, we're doing a podcast. Right, right. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, um, this, this isn't bad, but it's like g- generic, some kind of sweet stuff. It's, it's fine. I think that's basically what I said last time. The sweetness and just overall, like, sugary, sugar, sugar, sugar kick kind of, like, almost erases the rum flavor, Um, which is weird because Kraken has, like, that dark, spicy rum flavor that is, like, basically everything I love in a rum. Um, So it's, like, odd that... and, and, And Kraken is a... I mean, it's pretty sweet anyways. Like, generally, rum is very sweet. So it's weird to have sweetness overtake the sweetness and other flavors. Um, That is pretty odd. It's fine. (laughs) Tastes like Fine out of 17. Yeah, fine out of 17. (laughs) Flavors, I'm trying to think of what the hell any of them are, and I'm not sure. Uh, Actually, you have two um, windows here now, and I'm looking at it. I got a Facebook message. I wonder if it's from Nick. <clears throat> did you tell him to get in here? I did. Okay. So hopefully eventually Nick will be here. Our you know, special mo- guest of the week that we didn't... Most shows would figure this out beforehand, not us. <laughs> yeah, we're uh, just, uh, you know, yeah, a couple we're just of, of redneck idiots. Who are up to no good. Started making trouble in Nick's neighborhood. One little fight. Now it's a fancy mojito because I got my finger raised, my, my little pinky here. The uh, folks on the actual, like, audio-only versions of this are going to be like, well, you can tell us that, but how do we know your pinky's really raised? Anyways, I guess we've kind of meandered around not talking about whatever we're supposed to talk about enough. So uh, if you're at home, you have to drink because um, we've been off topic for a while and so we screwed up so we have to drink so you have to drink that's the rules it's a complicated drinking game here on drink to the past that's why we call it that probably or because my buddy suggested that as an idea for what to call it and i was like yeah let's do that uh so that's more likely anyways uh my name is sean michael patrick gumson as always the host of drink to the past and this is my co-host mr mcflapper girl Hello, I am Christopher, uh, Unpromptu Learning Opportunity Audette, and I'm here to inadvertently teach you things that you probably already knew. Alright, um, so let's see, uh, share and subscribe if you haven't, uh, that's the only way we get viewers, probably. I mean, unless you found out from my feed and you became a viewer from my feed, but that's still technically because somebody shared it. Hey, look, there's Nick. Hey, Nick. Cool. Yeah. My window for uh, this is kind of... uh, I wonder if I can edit this, like, in the middle of... I can. That's probably going to look really weird on the actual video, but I don't care. Uh, So now Nick is in here. All right. Anyways, uh, Nick, what you drinking? You got to be drinking on Drink to the Past. That's the rules. Well, uh, same thing as last week. Some kind of Colorado native porter, Imperial porter. Neat. All right. 
Uh, so <laughs> if you folks at home are keeping score, then you have to drink because he uh, is drinking the same thing as last week. That uh, that requires a drink, apparently. That's, that's a new rule I just made up. I guess. All right. Uh, shall we go into the news and booze? Uh, sure. Do we do uh, what you're playing first, or? Uh, yeah, we could do what you're playing. So, what you playing, Chris? Uh, I've been playing. In terms of new games, I've been playing. I've been playing World of Horror, World which of is horror? like, horse? yeah, it's like, Lots of it's like a point, it's like a point and click kind of roguelike adventure game with RPG, horror. uh, mechanics now that I'm has kind of a cool. Junji Ito inspired uh, art style. Mm -hmm. Sounds kind of neat. It looks like that for all of you viewing at home. Unless. What do you do, dear God? It's really loud, Chris. Turn it down. Turn it down. Turn it down. It's on Chris. mute. It's not on mute. It's, I assure you. Oh. You are not on mute. I hear nothing but... Ow. Oh. Ouch. So, that was a technical difficulty. That means we have to drink. Everybody drink. <laughs> I'll drink. <laughs> that was really loud. <laughs> okay, that's uh, odd. I apologize for any inconvenience to the viewers at home. I was trying to frantically find the uh, mute button for Chris, but I couldn't find it because it's on the other side over here. Here it is. So now I can well no the mute button's not on there either. Anyways, oops! I accidentally just shared your Discord tag, so anybody watching the YouTube version of this can stalk you on Discord. It's great. It's fucking great. <laughs> all all the people who who stalk me online, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, Nick, what's your plan? Not gonna lie, I was frantically looking around for what I've been playing because I don't have anything new from last week. So you silly guy. I was also so much input. I was also going to bring up. I've also been playing uh, River City Girls, cool. and it's which is a beat 'em up similar to you know River City Ransom in the same family of games, more similar to like Scott Pilgrim versus the World, the movie, the game, game than anything else. I actually like that Scott Pilgrim more than I like River City Ransom. Uh, so that's okay. But I, I had a lot of fun with it. My only dislike of the game is probably that it's too short. Because I beat it in about seven hours. I feel like that happens with beat-em-ups. There's not really any long beat-em-ups that I've ever played. But I'm not a huge into beat-em-up as a genre. I play some sometimes. That's really loud again. Now it's. Now I don't it's know how it's loud because I have it on mute. Yeah, it was... It was Let's see. I wonder if I can un... Uh, like, if I can mute your stream part or something. I don't know. It is it is very bizarre that it's loud because I can't hear anything. Oh, Apparently only you guys can. Weird. Yeah. Here we go. I can mute you. I can disable your video, but I'm not sure I can... Anyway. That's enough of random mouse wheel on my screen here. Uh, so let's get into what Nick was playing. Nick, did you think of anything? Well, um, honestly, I've been playing Minecraft pretty much all day. Cool. Building a dockyard in the style of an 80s neon city 
with an emphasis on appeasing Bill Nye. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I don't expect any part of that to make sense. Uh, okay. it's I, I noticed that that... Even if it doesn't make sense. Let, let me see if I can bring a map of that. Oh yeah, it's actually mostly done now, and it is... It kind of looks like a carnival now instead of neon, but, you know, I'll take it. Nice. I'll lay, uh... The stream has ended. Close stream. Hey, Art. now you can see me slightly better. Ooh, look, another stream. Let's watch it. Hey, look, a map. So this is a nice little structure here. Cool. Yeah, the uh, colorful spaghetti on the left is uh, <laughs> what I've been working on lately. Uh, it's a mess. Our viewers had no idea they were going to get this kind of content when they clicked on. Nope. And Full of surprises. The, uh, Poor guys on Podbean are missing out, so go check us out on YouTube. Share and subscribe and all that jazz, like every other YouTuber tells you. I'm not a real to YouTuber. I'm just a drunken idiot with a couple of friends. It sure is a good thing that uh, that server has a white list. Yeah. Better than a purple list. Hey, look, another stream. How come they keep coming in and out? What would a purple list do? Uh, determine who's royalty. That is a surprisingly sensible answer. Which one? I don't know. I didn't hear what you said. Did you say something, Nick? I said you have to prove that you're funky, but I didn't hear what Chris said. I guess funky could be work. Uh, yeah, Chris said uh, um, something about royalty. Determine that you're royalty? Yeah, yeah. If you're on the purple oh, list, you're royalty. Oh, yeah. elevated privileges. Yeah, yeah. Well, but I could work something out with that. <laughs> Cool. I'm sure there's a plugin somewhere for that. Oh, yeah. And of course, as usual, I've been playing lots of Final Fantasy VII Remake, kind of going through some of the chapters now for uh, achievements and stuff, and going through on hard mode. That's been pretty fun. Uh, some of the bosses are actually pretty fun, but aggravating on hard mode, uh, which is uh, something I find kind of entertaining. Um, but occasionally I'm just like, ah, why, you stupid mechanic, you know. Uh, there's, there's one boss that I was fighting in, like, uh, on normal mode, I remember he was, like, kind of annoying, and then on hard mode, he's, like, also got a ability that he can summon three little minions that have one-hit-kill moves, and <laughs> stuff like that, and he's got, like, a bunch of really huge, like, area damage, like, you cannot dodge this, you, if you're not at full health, you die moves, I'm like, why? What did you so do the minions are supposed to insta-gib before they have a chance to act, yeah, the, uh, while when, also keeping your guys at full. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, which it's not, Oof. once you kind of <laughs> know the fight, it's not all that bad, because it's like, when they come out, they're uh, staggered, which means they uh, are more susceptible to damage. So you can, if you're real quick about it, you can take them out like in like a couple of seconds. But if they get up, and they get to attack you, you will die. So it's it's kind of annoying if you miss that. So, so kind of learning the fight is kind of the process. But as soon as you know it, it's like, okay, it's not it's not that bad. I did finally get it. And also started another playthrough of Twilight Princess, uh, which has been a while since I played that game. And the... Uh, the intro is just, like, a lot even worse than I remember it. Like, I remember everybody always talks about how bad the intro is, but I feel like it's even worse 
now in today's gaming because like now we're almost used to games where there's like basically no load screens or load screens are kind of masked with cutscenes or uh, other kind of clever techniques that game developers have been using to kind of eliminate the need for ever having a load screen. And in Twilight Princess's starting area, it's like segmented into like five or six little areas. And whenever you go in and out of e any one of them, it has a load screen and there's a lot of unskippable cutscenes. So it's it's just a drag compared to most modern games and i i'm like almost done with it but then i get to the part where you're wolf link and you have to collect all these little tears of light and it's just like such an arduous process <laughs> anyway i'm just <laughs> at that point play. i was like yeah i was like okay I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna be done for a minute but i'm gonna i'm gonna be starting up that again at some point twilight um, princess had a lot more of those just kind of filler moments, I feel like, than some of the earlier Zelda games. Kind of ended up in an awkward place. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I feel like the filler moments were, like, weird, too, because they were, like, all at once, or they weren't there. It's like, there's a buttload at the beginning, and then there's kind of a couple of sections in the middle where there's a bunch of them all bunched up. But then there's also large swaths where you're just like, dungeon, 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 dungeon. So very good, weird. strong, bad. Yes, dungeon, dungeon. <laughs> Computer over. I did a bad, strong, bad impression. You have to drink. Yay. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what that was. I mean, you can drink whenever you want anyway if you're drinking along at home. That's also part of the game. And if you drink and you text me a picture of you drinking, like, like tweet at me or something, at spamomanospam, then I will drink just for you. If I had more viewers, that would probably, like, kill my liver, but we have not yeah. very many viewers, so it's, <laughs> it's probably not that dangerous yet. So yeah. if you see this video in 50 years when I'm suddenly, like, ridiculously famous, then, then tweet at me and be like, hey, remember suddenly. that podcast episode 50 years ago? And I'll be like, no. But I'll drink anyway. <laughs> All right. Uh, how about the news and booze? All right. Um, Harvest Moon One World is announced. New Harvest Moon game uh, coming to Nintendo Switch. Um, and it says it offers new ways to explore in Harvest Moon. I've never played a Harvest Moon game. Either of you? I played Stardew Valley quite a bit. Got all the achievements and that sort of thing. Cool. Was that but that's about it. The greatest Never touched Harvest Moon game? Oh, it's the greatest Harvest Moon game, yes. <laughs> Out of the zero that you've played, Stardew Valley yep. is the best Harvest Moon game. Hey, man, it's it's a, you know, spiritual, a spiritual successor. successor. Right. But now Jinx. it doesn't need a spiritual successor because it's got a real successor. So Stardew Valley is irrelevant. I'm sure, like, a, if, if... Irrelevant, <laughs> sir. Irrelevant. That game is beautiful. Yeah. Um, I've heard nothing And yes, it allows you to seduce people that. using pumpkins. See that? I'm sold. <laughs> That's it all was you too ever creepy. Wanted. I couldn't follow through with it. <laughs> all right, um... <laughs> Uh, Chris, you ever played Harvest Moon? Uh, I had Harvest Moon 64. Uh, the only story I remember about it is that I had 
uh, a wife in that game. So I lent the game to my friend, and when he gave the game back to me, I had a son. <laughs> oh <my. laughs> well, that's saucy. Uh, so did he have the game for nine months, or <laughs> did he have it for like a day? He had it for a little while there. Look how well, long enough to get my child here. Long enough to get my wife pregnant. Ooh. Goodness, he got sussy. Yeah. Okay, so is it cheating if someone else has taken over your body and fucks your wife? Who, okay, who is cheating in this circumstance? I'm not sure. Yeah, it's like, because you... Your wife? You aren't cheating, because you're just doing your wife, but you might... You're, but, the, but it's not you, yeah, so, yeah, like, imagine if might, Tom, or Tom, Sean, I took over your body, and then I, you know, slept with April mm -hmm. and you weren't like there mentally right well what if would i was there cheating? mentally would that be different if we were both like a hive mind at that point would that change oh that'd be totally different but obviously chris wasn't That's... here when his son was then conceived would it just be a three -way? <laughs> i was just like i have a kid now why <laughs> Reminds me, I was when a man the, and a woman get left alone in a harvest moon for too long. <laughs> I was playing uh, the game of life with a buddy one time, and uh, like everybody's going through the game of life. You get all the steps. You get your job. You get your college. You get your kids or whatever. And and like towards the end of the game, uh, my buddy Tyler drew a card that says um, he gets grandkids, but he had never had kids through the whole game. He's like, how did this happen? <laughs> So let's move on to the next piece of news and booze. Kirby inexplicably appears in a trailer for Fortnite. Didn't what? see that coming. Yeah, um, it's like the new season of Fortnite or something trailer. I don't remember what trailer it was, but if you look up Kirby Fortnite trailer, you'll be able to find it. Um, so this is like weird that uh, like people noticed Kirby. He's like in like one very small like one second clip at the very start of the trailer that you probably would not notice it unless you're that kind of person on the internet that's just like whoop i'm gonna scan every single pixel just to see what's going on here um and interestingly enough the trailer is identical on the nintendo side of things and the playstation and xbox side of things they all three have this up on youtube except Kirby is blurred out in the non-Nintendo YouTube channels versions. So it's like that that almost confirms that yes, this is definitely Kirby because it's like it's hard to see for a second I uh but it's it's the fact that Nintendo doesn't have it blurred out and everybody else does is like yeah, okay. Kirby is in a Fortnite trailer. Why the fuck is Kirby in a Fortnite trailer? <laughs> what do you think he about that? He gets around, that? I guess. Yeah. Maybe he's going to become a playable character? That would get me back Imagine into Fortnite. That. Wouldn't it, though? I, I played Fortnite one time. See, I'm trying to <laughs> I'm trying to find him, but I'm just I'm just not. Uh-huh. Are, are you looking at the image or something? Uh, I'm looking at the trailer, and yeah, it's you like, gotta hunt really hard. It's like really in the very beginning, uh, there's like a bridge in the picture, and he's like underneath the bridge. Uh, like basically. Oh yeah, the I, I do starts. see him here. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll bring up a, a dream again okay. without 
without uh, blowing out everybody's okay, yeah. eardrums. It should be on pause now, so it should be okay. So, if you look under the bridge, under the right side of the bridge here, you can see a little Kirby. Yeah, right there. There's Kirby. Why is Kirby in a Fortnite trailer? What's going on? Yeah, I'm he drops just, bombs uh, on you. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, Kirby is totally like more newsworthy than most Fortnite things. I'm not that big into Fortnite. Um, like it was, it was fine, but it was not a game that I felt like I needed to return to. Uh, but if they put Kirby in as a playable character, that would like blow my mind. I have no hope of that actually being the case. That makes no sense. But. I mean, whatever. Weirder shit has happened, right? So who knows what this means? I have no idea. Maybe uh, Nintendo will just re-release a Fortnite clone, except the Nintendo characters. Maybe. Hmm. That. Hmm. Or it's just a Kirby-based game, so you're like, you know, blowing new buildings out and like sucking things in. I don't know. Right. You can just like instead of blowing up the other guy's building that he built, you can just eat it. Yes. For parts. All right. Um, Pete Hines of Bethesda was questioned on Twitter about Elder Scrolls 6, and he said it's after Starfield, which you pretty much know nothing about. So if you're coming at me for details now and not years from now, I'm failing to properly manage your expectations. Well, he's failing to properly manage people's expectations. Apparently. <laughs> right? Because people have been asking, like, since it revealed at E3 in 2018, I think. I think that was 2018 E3. Um, is this their so, I guess I should figure out who Pete Hines is. Uh-huh. Um, he's uh, one of the higher-up guys at Bethesda. So um, you should... Trying to remember his exact position. I think he's... Oh, he's... Vice President of Relations and Marketing. Yeah, You'd was, figure he'd have a he better grasp. Marketing, yeah. So that's, so yeah, that's weird that uh, head of marketing basically is like, yeah, I don't know when he's coming out. I, I would expect <laughs> this from like a developer of the game to come out and be like, yeah, this is like a weird quote for kind of for that reason. I'm like, but not for somebody who's supposed to be like managing the community or doing relations yeah i feel like he should be like uh I, I don't know exactly how he should be about this but it's it's kind of a weird thing that like it was announced two years ago so obviously everybody has questions about it uh maybe it was only last year but i'm pretty sure it was two years ago but i, I could be wrong about that but either way it's been announced at least a year ago and no other news so like i think it's not unreasonable to be curious to expect some kind of news maybe uh and if it's not till years from now then i think they were kind of stupid to have a reveal trailer two years ago yeah so basically what they did was they had an announcement and a reveal trailer and then they didn't have any additional information and now they're saying you guys are full of shit for wanting more information about this game that we already announced right? and had a trailer for I mean, it was like a pretty much nothing trailer. It was like a like a panning yeah, this shot is just of a landscape. landscape, and that was it. So it's like, okay, there wasn't that much to extrapolate from the trailer. It could obviously be an early development, but it seems weird that he's now saying it's years from now off. 
and we revealed it after two a years whole ago. other game. Yeah, so it's like, game. does anyone even know what Starfield? Why would they is? bother revealing yeah. it four years or more beforehand? Right, that seems weird. I f- this I, seems like a this seems like a pretty minor public relations screw up, but it is a screw yeah, up. But it's it's just kind of weird, and I guess we can't expect Elder Scrolls Six anytime soon. Poop. Tony Hawk Pro Skater One and Two looking are at something to right Xbox now. One, PS4, and PC in September. What are you looking at, Nick? I'm looking at the release dates for all the Elder Scrolls game here games here. Mm-hmm. Looking at gaps. I'll get back to you in a minute once I have all this okay, stuff. Okay, so moving on. Um, so, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 are getting remastered. How do you th- feel about that? Did you ever play any of those, Chris? Or Nick? Uh, I played a few of those at a friend's house. Mm-hmm. I do have kind of a weird nostalgia for them, but uh, I don't I don't think I would go so far as to get the, get the remakes. Right. Yeah, I've, I'm kind of on the fence about it, because I'm like, I, I did kind of have... A lot of fondness for them at the time. Uh, I played Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2, and I played both of the Tony Hawk Underground games, and I really liked the Underground games, because they just had this wacky, stupid gang war story between Tony Hawk and Bam Margera. It was like the most wacky, stupid storyline you could imagine, and it was fun as hell. Um, So I, I liked them for that, and just kind of, you know, just doing the tricks and customizing your own tricks was kind of fun. Because I'm just a stupid, fat, Irish, drunken idiot who can't stand up on a skateboard because he's fat and drunk. I can't stand up on a skateboard. I'm not fat or drunk. I'm a pretty skinny, like, kind of wiry dude. Uh, and skate, skateboards, I, I never got further than uh, standing on the board and, like managing to keep my balance while it was rolling down the street right yeah i kind of got a little bit beyond that i um i got to where i could stay on in like a skate park area and if there was hills then most of the time i wouldn't fall down on the hills that's pretty good yeah (laughs) anywho i do have all the release dates here for the elder school stuff and it kind of is interesting here Mm -hmm. so the first one 1994 Second one, 1996, that's a two-year gap. Third one is 2002, that's a six-year gap. Elder Scrolls IV, that's 2006, that's a four-year gap. Elder Scrolls V Skyrim, that's a five-year gap. It's been nine years since Skyrim, but if we want to count Elder Scrolls Online as an Elder Scrolls game, that was 2014, which is a three-year gap from Skyrim, which means that we are now in a six-year drought of Elder Scrolls games, which is the longest in their history as a franchise and to say it's still a long ways off is interesting well they also did elder scrolls blades in there they also did their kind of screw up with uh elder scrolls with uh fallout 76 yeah so bethesda has been doing other stuff so i'm i don't imagine i'm not sure if they're a big enough studio to really have the manpower to make these many big, big games at a time. So I'm, I'm not totally sure. I know they're a big studio, but I don't know how much manpower they can dedicate to every single project all at once. And plus, they've had Rage 2 come out uh, recently. And um, <coughs> what else has Bethesda done? Uh, all the Doom games. The the uh, Doom 2016 and Doom Eternal. Yeah. Uh. And from everything I've heard from you and from pretty much everybody else, those games are awesome. 
Yeah, Doom uh, uh, 2016 is really, really good. I've only played a little tiny bit of Doom Eternal because I've been preoccupied by Final Fantasy, obviously. Um, but it's it's like a really solid follow-up so far. It's like It feels like I'm just getting right back into the action, and it feels like more intense than the start of Doom 2016, but it, it, it feels... It's, it's kind of cool because it's like easy enough that you can be like, I haven't played Doom 2016 in a long time, <laughs> but it's hard enough that it doesn't feel like you're starting from scratch again. So it's kind of, I think it's really good game balance that way. And it gives you like more weapons right off the bat. Like you get your chainsaw right away and uh, you get your new combat knife on the side of your wrist, which is awesome as hell. Uh, so it's, it's really cool. It's like, right. You get right into it and it's throwing a few mechanics at your face really quick but if you played the first one at all then it's like okay it's like getting back on a bike after a while you're like okay how does this work okay i got it it's fine so there's a game design lesson in there because how many games are you afraid to pick up and play again because you're just like how the heck do i actually play that game <laughs> yeah Done that many many times i'm not not thinking of any i think it was always like the online multiplayer games were the only time when I might have a fear like that. For mine, it was always and that was like... Because, go ahead. And that was always because it was like League of Legends or something. Right. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, you not only are your skills rusty, but you don't remember, but you don't know who's good anymore. So you're, but you're getting matched up against people at your previous skill level. Right. So you kind of get, uh, get shit on a few times. I kind of have that feeling that I'm, like, hesitant to go back to something if it's got, like, an intense convoluted story, like a big JRPG or something, uh, which is the reason I have never beat, like, most of the Final Fantasy games. I've beat a good several of them, but, you know, sometimes I... Like, the last time I booted up my save of the original Final Fantasy VII, I was like, I'm in a submarine? Why am I in a submarine? <laughs> what is going on? I remember you're going I to go fight was Emerald supposed weapon. to fight weapon or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was like, but why am I in a submarine? <laughs> That's all I could figure out from my contextual <laughs> clues, and there's, like, not any battle log or anything. And Final Fantasy When you VI wake up and wonder way. why you're in a submarine. I'm like, okay, why am I in this cave? Which direction was I even going? You know, in some of these larger, more labyrinthine levels in old Super Nintendo games and stuff like that. I really liked how um, the Metal Gear Solid series handled it because they they didn't and there was like there's a lot of things they handled in a clunky way but they kind of nailed this is anytime you loaded back into the game it loaded up with pages of like what happened last in the story and what you were doing of like just two pages of information that was something i noticed going in the on. dragon quest 11 demo is that it did that if you reloaded your save it's like oh here's a short synopsis of what's going on and who these guys are you're like oh that's pretty cool but that was the only redeeming quality of that demo and i was like bored as hell otherwise <laughs> which a lot of people are praising that game so like if you like that game fine to each their own but i it was just like i i just thought it was like really the game funny. fuck you you're over <laughs> all right we're Speaking of Fortnite, Epic Games uh, offered Grand TA, Grand Theft Auto. I was like, wait, hold on. What does GTA stand for? Brain fart. <laughs> okay, I have a brain fart. I, I think you've got to drink. You really yeah. It's only a flagship franchise. Right, yeah. Uh, so uh, today's beer of the week uh, for me is actually Golden City Brewery's Churro Stout. 
which has a, yeah, really cool um, product description right here. Um, Probably. I haven't tried it yet. Sweet. It's blue and blurry. Yeah, yeah. Um, If you can't read that, it says... Churro stout, 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 churro stout. I feel like I'm getting talked to by a Pokemon here. I want a Pokemon named Churro Stout. Next time I play a Pokemon this game, beer is great by Pokemon. I am naming my starter Churro Stout. All right, so now in the hatch, I've got my cool Guinness mug here. Um, I have a lot of. What is its rating? I don't know. I haven't drank it yet. Shut up and let me drink. Weren't you supposed to be drinking this whole time? Yeah, so we have to drink for my discrepancy. Hmm. Very cinnamony on the nose, but not like overly so once you're drinking it. That's actually a real drinkable beer. Hmm. Send me some. Here you go. You can you can have the Sip, I'll, I'll feed it oh, to uh, you. No, no, no. <laughs> yes. All right. Uh, send you a sip of beer through the internet. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good stout. I love everything Golden City Brewery ever makes anyways. Um, so go check them out if you're in the Colorado area. I say that every week, but do it. Mm. So do you have to like drive over there and pick up a crate of things, or can you order things, or how does that work? Um, they are available in some liquor stores, uh, but primarily their source of distribution is their uh home uh brewery like you can just go to the brewery and uh they have um canned uh four packs and six packs of a lot of their different various brews um so marvelous yeah real good stuff um this is better than the last churro stout i had i had a churro stout that has a very unfortunate story that um a lot of people were telling me that this churro stout was really really good at the great american beer festival a couple of years ago and um i was like okay i'm real excited to try it and we were kind of on our way there and then we spied the new holland tent and we had um two or three different kinds of dragon's milk which is a barrel aged stout so it's like all thick and you know, dark, heavy, and, and all of that kind of thing. Uh, and just with that on the palate, like, I'm pretty sure whatever the next beer we drank, no matter what it was, was destined to taste like water, because that's what this churro stout tasted like. I was like, oh, it's what? so watery in comparison to a heavy-ass barrel-aged <laughs> stout, but, like, ordinarily, like, if I had had that one first, I probably would have liked it a whole lot more, so... Um, but, uh, Golden City's taste is much better on that. It is a lot thicker than the last one. Although, again, that could be partially comparison to Dragon, but anyway. Yeah, that's a solid, solid beer. Give that a 15 out of 17. Hot damn. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, talking about Epic Games Store, offered Grand Theft Auto V for free. Um, I believe that Dilla is still up, so if you go check out, uh, the Epic Games Store, it should still be up. But uh, yesterday, the Epic Games Store actually went down, and Fortnite's servers experienced major issues for connectivity because too many people were trying to download Grand Theft Auto. It was overloading the shit out of the server. So, I thought that was an interesting little tidbit. Either of you ever been into Grand Theft Auto? (laughs) Uh, I was... I think I was more into Saints Row back around the time Saints Row 2 came out. Mm-hmm. I played uh, Saints Row 2 at a buddy's house like twice. And 
Grand Theft Auto kind of... The games went in pretty wildly different directions. It was like Grand Theft Auto kind of went grittier, like crime sandbox (laughs) kind of thing. And and Saints Row just capped off with you being the president of the United States having to beat up an alien overlord with superpowers (laughs) and a power armor suit. Uh, Yeah. I know to, which one I would go for. <laughs> right? To show to showcase which uh, to showcase how different the games got after some time. Yeah, um, I played one Grand Theft Auto, which was I think it was Vice City Stories for PSP, and I had no idea what I was supposed to do in that game. I just kind of wandered around and shot stuff and stole stuff, and I guess that's probably the point of the game. I don't know, but it's Wait, like so Skyrim, right? <laughs> Occasionally there would be missions, but, like, I feel like there was never any point to them, and none of them were, like, interconnected. It just seemed like... And and all of them were, like, very straight, objective-based. Pretty much all of them were, like, find this guy and shoot him. So I was like, okay. Uh, Okay. It was was fine. I, I didn't have any major care for it. I had maybe a couple of funny stories that came out of it. But after my time was done there, I was like, I never really felt all that much like I had to go back to a Grand Theft Auto. Um, Square Enix Eidos Anthology is now available on Steam. Uh, features 54 different games for $39 US, uh, which includes Jesus. many of the Tomb Raider titles, as well as Thief 1 through 3, Dungeon Siege 1 through 3, and a ton more. So it's like, it's not just like, oh, uh, 54, you know, like, crappy old um, nobody's even ever heard of these games kind of thing. It's like actually like pretty legit games. Um, They have all, I think it's every Tomb Raider game except for the very very newest one Uh, and I think the last two are still like 20 bucks each so like it's pretty much like buy two Tomb Raiders and get 52 other games for free. (laughs) I'm like, okay, that's so that's a pretty solid deal. I mean, as well, to be fair, proceeds for this go to uh, charity. So Square Enix is actually doing this all for charity. Uh, I think it was something about COVID relief. Um, I would have to look that up. And I think I think if I picked this up, I wouldn't be picking it up for the Tomb Raider games. I'd be picking it up for the first two Thief games. Yeah, the Thief games were actually pretty fun, and there's several other ones that stood out in there that. people were saying were pretty good uh i don't remember the whole list offhand i don't want to list off 54 games because we spend enough time talking about dumb shit on this podcast but uh yeah so that's a good deal check that out on steam if you're interested yeah it's like a year's worth of entertainment if you haven't played those before right yeah um there was a warning that i read on one site that one of the only problems with this bundle is that some of these games were designed to run on ancient hardware and if you're running modern hardware, some of these games will have issues. Like, particularly the first, yeah. like, two or three Tomb Raider games were designed in the 90s when computers were not the same even a little. So, uh, you might have to... It, it said some of the suggestions were like, okay, yeah, just go buy an old-ass crappy computer and you'll be able to run <laughs> it okay. And some of them were like, okay, oh no, you can go through and, you know run an emulator of windows me or something I'm like i i feel like you shouldn't have to do that if they're bundling this shit up and selling it they should at least make it compatible with modern platform that's kind of a fair argument but at the same time it's like like even if you that's just like, look at the modern games that will run on this hardware i feel like 40 dollars is still justified 
Absolutely. Because there's so many like good modern games coming out of this. I feel like if I really wanted to get a game that was guaranteed to work on modern hardware, like if I was looking for any one game in this collection, I'd probably just get it off GOG uh, instead of... Because a lot of games like this, that is the issue, is that (laughs) they don't go out of their way to make them compatible for modern machines. Uh Buy the collection, then go pirate it so that you can actually play the game. (laughs) I've done that before. Moral piracy. Fucking spore. All right. I mean, they finally re- they fight they uh, removed secure ROM off it on Steam after like four years. Wow, gee, <laughs> a sensible move. Wow. Yeah, it only, it, it only takes them several years to eventually try a sensible move. Okay. <sighs> but let, let's not go down that rabbit hole again. <laughs> right on. Um, our first piece of tabletop news in a little while is. Um, there is a official crossover between My Little Pony and Dungeons and Dragons. Cutie marks and dragons <laughs> oh, toys are in happened. the works. So there is going to be a line of toys all about somehow being like the ponies that are like bards and fighters and stuff. I saw some of the images. I was like, there is a fair amount of people that this will like just, they'll yeah. just eat this shit up. I'm like, I should let my first DM know, actually, because Um, our first campaign concluded in Equestria. (laughs) That's awesome. Like, we we had to, like, shit, what was it? We had to, like, get Princess, uh, what's the queen's name in that show? I forget. We had to rescue her, though, and, like, find an alchemist called Lightning. Yes, Queen Celestia. And we had to use her to, like, save the weather on Eberron, and... Eventually, you had to go to freaking Equestria to fight two gods to prevent them from destroying Equestria and thus the rest of the world. And yeah, so I guess he could have made money. And well, <laughs> you could have tapped him to write that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, here we are. Yep. About the only thing I know of that was similar was when uh, the Legend RPG back before they just totally abandoned the website. Uh, when they released, it, it was a knockoff of 3.5 and Fourth Edition. That was c- kind of an interesting take on character building, uh, where you had like three instead of having just a class, you had three character tracks, and you could swap the tracks out uh, with other tracks. What is uh, a track? It's like one third of what your character build is, basically. So you could be like, I take the spellcasting from this class, and then I take like the fire elemental powers from this uh, fire elemental thing and then I take like the special sword from this other class and that's my character. So it's kind of like just mishmashing classes from different features from other classes? Yeah. And you can use them all at the same time? Yeah. Actually, Sean, I think you, uh, you ended up playing this briefly at one point too. Neat. I don't remember that. Several it sounds, <laughs> but, it sounds like a thing I but, would have like been like, okay, yeah, let's do that, and then probably enjoyed. It sounds like a neat character uh, creation idea. Uh, it was. Uh, but back before they abandoned the website, they had released a My Little Pony set of like classes. Mm-hmm. There was like Earth Pony, Elemental Pony, uh, Unicorn. So how does the pony 
factor of that actually change anything? Uh, mechanically, not by a lot. You could strip off the pony part and probably use like the mechanics of it as just a more standard kind of like monster or. Well, even how did like the mechanics differ? Like Earth Pony versus Earth Shaman, for instance. Well, Earth Pony was like a brand new thing that had been introduced. And that it had totally different abilities to what was in the main book. Same thing with like Pegasus and uh, and Unicorn and Elemental Pony. So they, they, they all had completely different abilities to like the main player character classes that you could swap stuff in and out of. I didn't expect so it was to talk this long about My Little Pony. <laughs> Indeed. But that's fine. Um, it's been ten years and it's still plaguing the inner circles in which I transit. Right. I, yeah, I don't have hey, a problem I... with it. It's, it's like I watched a little bit because my wife was into it like hardcore for a little while. Um, and this is a good I, show. My little if I have a, a little bit of trivia, trivial knowledge this obscure... Uh, I'm gonna share it. Hold on, my wife is gonna talk about My Little Pony for five seconds. Oh, no. I mean, that's fair. I was very either pregnant or on postpartum. Uh, you know, I had just had the baby, so I can she hear me? Something no, she to cannot. watch. I, here, let me give her half my headset. Here, there you go. Here, Nick. Hi, Nick. Hello. I said that My Little Pony is a well-made show, and it makes sense for why people would like it. Mm -hmm. That said, Adventure Time is better. I'm sure it is. Ooh, them's fighting words. But... <laughs> Adventure Time... Adventure Time is for stoners. ...is not as happy... I'm not even a stoner. ...it's not as happy as My Little Pony. And when you're pregnant... And your post have postpartum anxiety, and I'm, it's gonna get really deep right here. <laughs> Is it weird that postpartum anxiety makes me think of RimWorld? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that weird. RimWorld, RimWorld is that is the sort of thing that would be in RimWorld. Okay, you're on the podcast. You have to drink. So uh, what give do you me rate another that, fucking uh, mojito. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> So yeah, it, it may not be as happy, but you know, there, there's um, story elements that require happiness to be forfeit. <laughs> of course, that's basically plot in general. <laughs> so what you're saying is My Little Pony doesn't have plot. No, be, trust, there's plot. There's things that are taken away from these little ponies, you little fucker. <laughs> so it's not all happy then, no, is it? No, it isn't. Because that would not be plot. <laughs> but I'm going to go there, back to there. my happy little freaking island over there. And you guys, Sounds have, good. <laughs> you guys have a good day. See you, April. All right. Uh, and that is how you shred someone's argument. <laughs> what did he say? That is how you shred you. someone's argument, is what he said. Oh, 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 she's coming back. She's coming back over. <laughs> okay, she's got the mics now. Now you have to rate the mics. Oh, shit. That shot was not meant to be fired in that particular direction, but you know, Sean is a uh, beguiling devil. So uh, proceed, April, with your retort. If you would ever shut up.
I would. Mm. I just did. <laughs> exactly. It took you like three minutes. Three minutes? I counted 20 seconds. Shut up. <laughs> okay. That's a lot longer in drunk years. I am not drunk. She's drunk? I am so drunk. You got like half a mice. You're smacker. I, I know that you are half a lightweight. A I am a lightweight, but I'm not that lightweight. And this is how you misdirect someone's argument. <laughs> That is a, well, I have ADHD, so that is also very, very easily. Oh, done. everyone does at this rate. You just really like to antagonize people, huh? Yes. Oh my god. Did you forget me? You should, you should hear does him have he conversations. You should hear some of the conversations yeah. we have. Oh, you went to high school with us. I oh, did go awful. to high school with him, you're right. That was a long Wonderful. time ago. Anyways... So, want to talk about Paper Mario? I don't even know it. Oh, I do want... That was... That looks really fun. <laughs> so, a uh, new Paper Mario game was uh, randomly uh, announced yesterday. Uh, launches on July 17th, so that's actually, like, pretty close. It's two months away from announcement to uh, it's going to be here. And there's a random scene at the end of the trailer where Paper Mario is wearing Samus's helmet. <laughs> What does this have to do with the Origami King? Uh, the Origami King seems to be like some kind of bad guy that's turning everybody into origami. And he, it's kind of interesting, too, because it looks like he turns Peach into an origami. And then Peach is like maybe one of the antagonists because it looks like he teamed so, up with Bowser, too, to fight Origami King. So maybe let me know him. if I'm uh, doing if you if uh, I'm this is overly loud. It should be. Play no noise at all. Okay, so if it's really loud, I'll let you know by... Uh, I just heard the Nintendo Switch click, so it's it's already got audio somehow. Uh, here, I, let me, I uh, don't know how it has audio. Mute you, and then uh, now go ahead and play it, and I will talk over it. No, no, it muted you, but it didn't Thunder. mute the stream. <laughs> that's That's hilarious. I don't understand why that works. For some reason, okay. I'm not seeing anything in your stream. Stream is ended. Anyways. Am I still muted on your end? Uh, no, I have you on now. Okay. Uh, this, this is something we should probably figure out another time. Another time. But that's half the fun of Drink to the Past, is we figure everything out in the moment. So since we had another technical screw-up, drink... Every time you hold up the drink sign is technically a technical screw-up because it's going backwards. That's what you guys told me last week, but it is frontwards on my stream, which is the stream that I am recording. So, technically, it's just a screw-up for you two, which means that Wait, you guys have to drink. But every why time is it frontwards on yours? Drink, I have to drink, too. The uh, camera is reversed on his end, I think. But then why would it show back to him in the proper orientation but be reversed to us because it's a little bit screwed up look, there am i raising my right hand or my left hand left. You're yeah you're raising your left to us i'm raising my right which to me looks like my relative right so wait a minute that explains the map behind you now i recognize it right yeah is is all the stuff uh <laughs> All it's all reversed. All it's all reversed. That's funny. Yeah. It's all reversed. I thought that was just Hyrule's at first, and right? just didn't even bother to pay attention to it. <laughs> nice. But no, that's English, and it's backwards. Yep. All right. So, uh, what the fuck? There's a uh, Samus in a 
Paper Mario trailer. Uh, and last piece of news and booze is maybe the biggest, because uh, Epic Games revealed their first look at Unreal Engine 5 running on a PlayStation 5. So, um... Nick, I don't know if you watched the trailer. I told Chris to watch it earlier. I did, okay. and I have opinions. What do you have opinions about? They keep expending resources to make worlds look more real, but they don't expend resources to make them feel more real. That's a decent I can't argument. scoop up the dirt and throw it into the faces of my enemies. <laughs> Fucking Cube World 16 pixels a block Minecraft still feels more real than hmm. this latest beautiful, it is beautiful, absolutely, yeah. imagery, but it's still just backdrop. It's not something... I mean, I'm sure there's more of it you can interact with, but yeah. like the in, the emphasis is not on interactability. Yeah, that's a. I feel like that's a game by game kind of a scenario, though, because really, if you're having a game like Minecraft, obviously that's exactly what you want. But if you're, you know, playing a game more like this, then maybe there won't be a reason to interact with every little thing, and that's kind of up to the developers really to kind of decide. Absolutely. Should you be can able you to interact with all this stuff? Because you could. Yeah, it's like, but at the same time, it would take so much extra resources to make it so that you could scoop up dirt. And in most games, scooping up dirt is not something that you need to do. So it's like, I can see to an extent. <laughs> Don't tell me what, what I need to do. <laughs> so what I thought of when I looked at this is they didn't go into a lot of technical detail about why things were improved. Uh, like... Trade secrets and all. I'm, I'm sure there's, there's got to be some reason. But I'm like, maybe they're just throwing a shitload of a uh, hardware behind this. Mm -hmm. All of the effort it takes to make all those models and do those animations is just that much more time spent in development and that much more money thrown at a game. Mm -hmm. uh, you, even if. Uh, even if technically they're able to get away with more, it means that when they try to get away with more, it takes that much longer to make a game that otherwise is probably pretty ordinary in gameplay. Right. Which I think exactly. is not exactly the same as what the point Nick was making, but pretty similar. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I Definitely feel similar like... enough for me to be upset about it. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's kind of interesting that you say that though because i'm kind of looking at this and i'm just like i feel like as a kind of tech ish person i'm like i'm like a little bit into tech i feel like it was kind of a perfect way to tell it to me which i feel is roughly their average consumer and i because I'm like, I don't need all this technical jargon mumbo-jumbo, you know? Every time Xbox says teraflops, I'm like, I don't care. Give me a game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it sounds impressive, thing. Sean. So it's... Are you not impressed? <laughs> it does sound it's impressive. But, you know. So, oh my god. <laughs> but just wait till they have I feel like, to me, I was just kind of like, okay, it's like, yeah, it, this... It, they're giving you just enough kind of an idea of what's changed and how stuff works that I'm like, okay, the sound is better and the lighting is way fucking better than anything modern gen. This really feels like a next gen thing, which is completely unlike anything from the Xbox presentation uh, last week we were talking about, where it's like they had like one game that looked like 
it would have pushed the limits of modern hardware. This looks like it might not be able to work on modern hardware. So I feel like it, it was a much better presentation than Xbox, which is weird because it's, it's like, this is also not really a PlayStation thing. This is a Unreal Engine thing, which will also run on Xbox One and PC and whatever else they eventually port it to. Um, so it's, it's, it's kind of a weird thing to kind of it handle, is, but it at the same time, it I is feel like it's very impressive. Yeah, and it, it really kind of gives a boost up to PlayStation because the, the Unreal guys uh, did basically say that, yeah, we've been working more closely with PlayStation than other uh, console developers. So, and we were paid to say this. They, I'm sure there was some amount of that, but it, it sounds. <laughs> to me like it will actually maybe be more tailored toward PlayStation 5 use than Xbox Series X. Uh, so it is technically, it looks very impressive, but we've also heard the concept of bull shots before. Mm -hmm. Bull shots? Yeah, so basically it was when someone would take a picture of something that was much higher graphical fidelity than what was actually in a game or in like a finished product uh, uh so i'm always wary of that in this case they seem to be claiming that <laughs> this is the kind of thing th this kind of quality is what you would expect uh, aside from my earlier misgivings about um increased development time due to having to put that much more work into the assets uh they seem to be so... claiming that this is the sort of thing that can be run on modern hardware. That, that's not what they state explicitly. Well, they, but that's they did specifically implying. say that everything that happened on screen was being run on a PlayStation 5. Okay. So that entire... So, everything that happened in that trailer was running on at least what the current build of a PlayStation 5 is, or what the tech... Uh, or what the... Um, what do you call it? Um... The developer kit is running so at the very least it's gonna be similar to what the final product is probably but you know there's always some difference between dev kits and uh final product and it could be you know an earlier build or whatever uh so it, it'll be it, it will be different uh but i feel like this to me it speaks as a showcase of what is possible on a playstation 5 rather than what will be expected and standard on a PlayStation 5, which I feel like is kind of what some people's take on it is, is that, oh, they're saying that this will happen in every game. This will not happen in every game. This will happen in Unreal Engine games that the developers of decide to push that far. I think that is what's going to happen. Uh, and I'm wondering what they're doing that would cause something like that to run in real time. Mm -hmm. What what kind of what the back end of that looks like because I they they're saying here are the things we're reducing they're comparing it to the old things but mm -hmm. they're not saying here is why we're seeing so much improvement which is the missing piece for a guy who writes software mm -hmm. and Nick you have your you have that animation background. Honestly, the rabbit hole I'm going down right now is that this performance just doesn't fucking matter in terms of, like, how games perform. Um, so I just 
on a whim decided to google you know list of best selling best grossing video games of all time and uh of the like top five the only one with like impressive graphics is grand theft auto 5 and it doesn't look nearly as beautiful as you know what we saw of course Mm -hmm. but like everything else is like minecraft wii sports (laughs) PUBG, super mario bros is the fifth highest grossing game of all time pokemon red green blue yellow graphics are not a factor here yeah so while they're saying "Ooh, look at these pretty things we can do with the engine it's still like the culture of like valuing graphics is just misdirected resources here is uh sean is that you got two you got two cynics in the call with you instead of one (laughs) so it's throwing off the balance a little bit that's fine uh because obviously we can have our own opinions on what's gonna matter and and i'm not i'm also partially just you know being against what you guys are saying to kind of even it out a little bit too because yeah. uh to an extent like i'm really really on your side graphics don't matter like i will if a game comes out on switch and something else i will get on on switch so that i can have it on the go because that's more important to me than graphics uh you know my i, f- I feel like breath of the wild is better than any other game that has come out this console generation and it only runs at 900p right it's not even technically exactly. full hd so uh I, i'm definitely more on nintendo side. knows that the what this, nintendo definitely knows that that you know game design uh, is going to outperform yeah. you know technical power yeah and, and, and i wish that they would use this technical power in a game that is well designed yeah and like grand theft auto 5 apparently i never played it but it's clearly very well it's free now Ooh, i heard so on the past they're such a cool podcast yeah, but you gotta get it off the epic game store right that's <laughs> steam for life even though my uh, fanaticism is completely unwarranted right so, yeah. all right anyways shall we get into our video game topic VGT. Indeed. Yes. I'm out of beer. I'll be right back. All right. We'll have to wait for Nick. Beer right briefly. back. Uh, beer right back. Bad pun. We have to drink. All right. That's part of the, part of the rule. Yep. So. I drank. I drank. While he's getting up and getting a beer, let's talk about um, our video game topic, and then he'll jump into the conversation and be like, what the hell's going on? So the video game topic this week is the best spinoff games of all time and spinoff games that we want to happen. What might be a good spinoff to happen in uh, whatever series might be cool. Um, What's funny about this topic is that a week ago, I wouldn't have had much in the way answers for you, and today I could come to you with uh, two for games that actually exist or are in development. Ooh, cool. Uh, what are they? But why don't you? Oh. But why don't I stop interrupting you and let you go first? Um. Well, the kind of the reason I thought of this topic was because of the random uh, Paper Mario trailer yesterday. Because Paper Mario is totally obviously a spinoff of the core Mario games. Uh, so I was like, that kind of gives me an interesting idea because I feel like the core. Uh, the uh, Paper Mario games have always had a certain place in a lot of gamers' hearts. I I only have ever played the Nintendo 64 original Paper Mario, uh, so I can't speak to all of them. But I, I really thought it was just a unique, uh, cool uh, RPG. It was one of the few kind of turn-based RPGs I ever played uh, back in that generation. Um, 
like I probably got into that around the same time as Final Fantasy VII, so it was probably one of the first like two or three games I ever played like that, and it was just a ton of fun, just really wacky bullshit going on, which, I mean, that usually happens in Mario, but I feel like it was even more because of the weird paper gimmick. Uh, so the original Paper Mario is uh, one that I really liked, and I'm kind of happy to see that they're bringing back another Paper Mario. So I think I'll get into that because I haven't been into Paper Mario in quite a long time. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at this now, and apparently at some point they made it so that it's in 3D as well as 2D. <laughs> Explains the origami. Uh, so Paper Mario spinoffs have had a pretty I think it's fair to say they've had a pretty checkered history yeah uh, because once you get past the thousand year door you had Super Paper Mario which was it was alright it was it was like it had its issues but it was alright and then you had the Paper Mario past that that yeah. uh, I never played Paper Mario Sticker Star I feel like, Color Splash. yeah I feel like yeah. Color Splash and Sticker Star really get are the more divisive ones because there's a pretty large number of people that really like color splash i feel like uh sticker star is not usually as popular but but the people that played all of them are like color splash is a good game but it doesn't feel like a real paper mario whatever that means and i'm like i don't know i only played one so i can't tell you <laughs> well he has on the wii u <laughs> i like my wii well u. so <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping i guess based on I'm not sure what to expect based off the, of this trailer alone, but I'm hoping it's a return to form. Yeah, it's kind of hard to tell because I'm not exactly sure what a return to form means because I'm not sure how far they've deviated over the last, uh, you know, Follows the aesthetic style of its predecessor, Paper Mario Color Splash. Uh, I was hoping... Aesthetic, not mechanics, so mm -hmm. I don't know. It definitely... Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping... The trailer looks has, more or less like the combat is somewhat similar, but with a kind of an interesting like board mechanic where you're all kind of on a rotating platforms or something. Uh, it was it, it's hard to tell obviously in a short trailer as it was, but it's looks like the kooky weird you know kind of thing that I remember from the original. So I think it looks it, good. yeah. It I am hoping that it returns to kind of the RPG style combat and kind of, and writing that uh -huh. those first two games had. Yeah. So, Nick, is there any spin-off games that you really love or a dream spin-off you'd like to happen? Spin-off of what? Yeah, anything you want. I mean, shit. If the D&D &D world could somehow merge with the Minecraft world, I would be set. <laughs> I mean, theoretically, you could get, like, a, a chat on Discord or something and then just, like, play D&D &D and then, like, move your Minecraft guy. No, I've I've definitely theorycrafted that, and it would be garbage. I have a lot of very like unique monsters that could never be portrayed. I feel like the would have to be, like, multi-boxing, like, 70 billion <laughs> NPCs and all that bullshit. That'd be, <laughs> that'd be terrible. Okay, going down that route, man. <laughs> you only control a... Thing that's like human size unless you get mods but yeah that'd be extremely modern minecraft and of course i mean like all the different like worlds yeah. of dnd different dimensions different castles different interactions and it wouldn't even have to be minecraft just dnd mm -hmm. sandbox game with real-time physics where you could you know have tactical infinity that oh wait that's not a spin-off that's a freaking unach unachievable by modern 
tech thing. Okay. I mean, you could always look at like the old style of roguelikes where they were just like text blocks, but you had nearly infinite ways to interact with things. Whereas like NetHack was like, I'm going to dip this scroll in this potion and see what happens. <laughs> kind, kind of deal. Where it was like that level of detailed interaction where that was just like one of like a hundred things you could do. Well, sure, uh, but that's uh, kind of limited to what is pre-scripted. What I would love to see is just a game that has like a chem chemistry system, kind of like Noida, actually, but of course in full 3D so, with all of the interactions. Just import the periodic table and then import, you know, a separate periodic table for magical interactions and, you know... Noida with like even more interactions and maybe like some procedurally generated monsters. I could get behind that. Not even procedurally generated. We're talking by the time this is even like possible, we have basically AIs generating new and exciting monsters based on user feedback of what they enjoy seeing. <laughs> so basically, it's, it's far out. <laughs> basically, what Tarn Adams is trying to do, except. What, what he's trying to do, not what he's accomplished. I think that's an important distinction. I'll pencil in a sure, because I'm not 100% on Tarn Adams' objectives. He wants to make it so you can set like a fantasy level in the world, and the species that generate and the able kind of magic you're able to do is procedurally generated based off of the seed and the level of fantasy in the game. Procedural Which, generation feels like a dirty word to me. Because it is. <laughs> but if anyone's going to accomplish it, I think it's him. But then it might be just too obtuse for people to get into, so... Man. I theory crafted this all day. <laughs> uh, but do you have any, like spin-offs of series you'd like to see or that you have seen on it. I don't really follow any series. Or just a spin-off that would be interesting or uh, that you did like that you played or something too would be cool. Uh Chris, what were you saying you were thinking of the earlier? So uh just yesterday I played through a spin-off to the River City series, which I mentioned in my What You Plan segment, oh, yeah. which is River City Girls which was just a really nice update to that style of gameplay with really beautiful sprite work, good good music, awesome. uh, uh, just well-made, well-controls, and with kind of a kick-you-in-the-dick uh, <laughs> twist ending, which uh, I, I don't know whether I'm like, whether it's whether to get offended by it or just think it's really funny. Uh <laughs> But I, I had a lot of fun with it. Cool. Uh, Have you ever been kicked in the dick? Uh, in just the dick. In just the dick. Yeah. No. No balls, just dick. Hmm. It's been. It, uh, it's always whenever I've been hit in that region, it's always been like either like a grazing blow, so nothing gets hurt. Or it's been like full on ball crush contact. Not not a lot of in there. Children are awful. Children. <laughs> you say children, and I'm thinking of two separate chimes where I was managing a McDonald's and punched different children in the balls. 
Uh, I was. Are you sure you want to announce that? And wait a minute, you kicked people in the balls. I, uh, yeah, I don't remember exactly why. Actually, it was funny because both of them were running the drive-through at the time. So I literally just like punched them in the nuts, and they just like fall on the ground and hand me the headset, and I'm like, okay, that's fair. I take the orders for a while. I'm like, you can have your break now. This works. You got to know these kind of people. I don't know. I, they weren't what, young. What kind children. of people will young. accept being punched in the balls? These young children, were they less than 15? Were they illegally employed? No, they were what, not illegally young children? Employed. Just eight year olds working at McDonald's? I've definitely wanted to nut punch a ton of kids that I work with. <laughs> and technically, they're kids, but they're really 16 and older. Right, yeah, And they like, should like, know you... better than some of the shit that they say. I feel like we should know we should have saved that little segment there for the end of the episode. <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll copy and paste that to the end of the... No, I won't, because I'm far too lazy for that. I'm just going to... Okay. You know, we'll, we'll have another dumb thing to say. Um, yeah, because they're, they're, like, they're, they're like old kids. They're like technically kids. Like They might have been 18. I don't fucking know how old they were. They're like teenagers. That's fine. Yeah. Anyways. Like, not legally, or morally speaking, but it's fine, I'm sure. <laughs> right. Um, anyways, one of my favorite spin-off games, I bet both of you might be able to agree, because I think we all played this together at some point, is Kirby Air Ride. Uh, uh, yeah, Kirby Air Ride's just yeah, plain fucking great. One of my favorite fucking racing games of all time, because it doesn't feel like a racing game, because it's not, like, super serious and, like, oh... Well, look at our physics and our graphics. It's just wacky bullshit. I love wacky bullshit. Me too. Case point, Never played it, but it sounds great. Mm-hmm. I was thinking of booting it up the other day. I'm like, as soon as I'm done with my Ocarina of Time run that I'm doing on my GameCube right now, I'm like, I'm going to play that and maybe... Um, I was going to look... I was looking for Path of Radiance. I can't find my disc for that, so it's probably at my parents' house someplace, which I was like, oh, maybe I'll just order another one off the internet. And then I found out that that's really expensive for some reason. Right? Like, yeah, I was like, dude, I have a, they just re-release these things? Right? All like, of them, all at the same time. I have a $200 game? Forever. What the fuck? Yeah, right? <laughs> Did not see that There's coming. There's a $200 game somewhere in my parents' house. We gotta find right, it. Yeah, I was like... Uh, I, I actually did go over and looked for a little bit, but not, not like extensively. I, I was over for something else and I was like, Hey, while I'm here, I'm going to look around a little bit. So eventually I'll go back there. I still have my path of radiance setting around somewhere. My wind wave. What is path of radiance? It's a fire emblem for GameCube. Oh, yeah. Right. That's my favorite fire emblem game. I've never played a fire emblem game. Get off of my podcast or drink. A, I will choose drink. Sweet. I like that it's a tactical that. RPG. I, I, my five-second synopsis is like XCOM, but anime. There you go. Yeah, but I'm not... Overwatch and leapfrogging. Never mind. I mean, there's no, there's no Overwatch in that game, but... Uh... Half of XCOM is Overwatch. When you're playing on Iron Mode... Iron Man classic mode. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, th- th- you, you do similar things in Fire Emblem at hard mode. It's just not called Overwatch. It's called putting your tanky boys out in front mm-hmm. and knowing where the enemy spawns. But what if you tank? Never mind. 
Continue. Okay. Uh, let's see. The other spinoff game I was going to mention, which is currently in production and kind of has a chapter one out already, is Delta Rune of uh, mm-hmm. Undertale, which uh, some people that are smarter than me refuse to play because they want to play the full game and not just get their cock teased. Did you just say I'm smarter than you? Wow. Wow. In some ways. I'm pretty sure that's another <laughs> reason we have to drink. Yeah. Chris, that's someone else is smarter than him. Gotta drink. <laughs> no, it says implies. Excuse me. Right, right. In some specific fashions at some times. My wife made me biscuits and gravy be jelly. <laughs> <laughs> very, very specific and uncommon and irrelevant times, yes. <laughs> no, this is a this this is a this is a cell phone. We don't need to we don't need to go on this. We we don't need to harp on it. I like harps. There was a harp at my graduation event. Yeah, harps pretty good. Goes well with a Guinness. Yeah, I once blended uh, up a harp and put it in yeah, again. Yeah, dumb pun. Take a drink. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. It's the rules of the game, Nick. <laughs> I don't follow the rules. I just drink all the damn time. Uh, that's the other rule of the game. So, But, uh, Delta Rune, because this is, like, half of how I evaluate games is by their soundtrack, Delta Rune has probably uh-huh. one of the best battle themes I've heard. All right, well, you're going to have to play it for us now. Okay. I'll, uh... Or at least a segment. Has uh, Mr. Sean played Undertale? Which not. almost feels like a dirty word. You he have not? not? No, I, I almost bought it once, and then I Sir. bought Celeste instead. Sir! Okay, and I held out Celeste, for years. Okay. Celeste is good, to be fair. Celeste is very good. Yeah. It has a platforming element, and I just don't want to do that again. Uh, yeah, you. it is the kind of thing where you might want to break your controller after playing it for long enough. <laughs> especially on, like, all the secret levels. Hey man, I got all the achievements in Hollow Knight, and that was enough platforming for a lifetime. I think, I think the platforming's a lot tighter in uh, Celeste. Wasn't even platforming as much as just fighting Dark Souls style, but in 2D. Yeah, well, it's Metroidvania. Dark Souls is just basically a 3D Metroidvania. See, I'm listening to this now, and I don't know if I'd call this a fight thing. Rude Buster? Rude Buster. Yeah. Hmm. I think the best battle theme ever written was a tune called The Belly Dancer, which is a bagpipe tune by a guy called Gordon Duncan. Well, you're going to have to link it now, buddy. <laughs> look it up. It's on Spotify or YouTube or whatever. Oh, you're making me look it up, and you're the one who's saying, oh, it's the best art. Yeah, Other people should look it up. I'm a lazy dick. Belly Dancer. Okay, I just typed in Belly Dancer. That's not going to help me. Ooh, look the Belly Dancer on bagpipes. Gordon Duncan. The... Well, hold on. I'm distracted by Belly Dancers. Uh, give me one sec. <laughs> Ooh, Belly Dancer. All right. <clears throat> I think this is the longest rabbit hole we've ever had on the podcast. Should we just keep it going? Be like, okay. The Belly Dancer Eventually, by Gordon who? Gordon Duncan. Gordon Duncan. Yeah. 
Look at that auto fill. Oh, man. All right. The Belly Dancer by Gordon Duncan. Actually, I could have just gone and grabbed my bagpipe channel and played it for you. So, <laughs> this is probably why I'm so positive on a lot of indie games overall, is because they usually have awesome soundtracks. Yeah. Ow. That does and help. And that, yeah. that, that adds to how I value a game in a big way. Mm-hmm. I think this Belly Dancer tune missed a beat here. Yeah, I feel like at 21 seconds it should have picked up, but it's kind of the same. Wait, this isn't bagpipes yet. What the heck? Yeah, it kind of starts it's out just... with that uh, kind of... I'm not sure what that is. It's a loot or something. In the okay, background. here we go. And then it... Yeah. I think the timing is a little off. The timing is not off. It's just weird because bagpipers are weird. <laughs> it's not off. It's just weird. Yeah, we, we play in <laughs> like a lot of weird time signature keys that normal musicians cannot understand. And we shift rapidly between them, especially in this. Case. Nine sixteenths. That's fine. Yeah. Like this one actually goes from nine, eight to six, eight. It has it, it has multiple time signature changes, like within a bar of each other in certain parts of the music. Is there drums in here somewhere? Because that would just complete the triad. There is a little oh, wait, bit of we got a second track, but mirror of bagpipes. It's good. If I remember right. My music snob? Yes. Oh, Welcome to uh, Drink to the Past, uh, the only it's missing podcast something. on the internet where you can hear Nick talk about a bagpipe tune you can't hear while you're watching me eat biscuits and gravy. Shall we move on to our makes it unique. table topic? Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> or is there yeah, I, I think... that's actually why I'm here. <laughs> is there any I other I... spinoff games we want to talk about before we jump? Let on? me uh, run to the restroom real quick. You guys uh, do your thing. Uh, uh, Tingle's rose-colored Ruby Land was uh, apparently it, ex- it, that, it exists. That is a game that exists. <laughs> yeah, let's move on. I... That is a game that I have not been sad, did not get a United States release. I fucking hate Tingle. But apparently yeah, it's Amer- like actually a really hilarious game. So I've, I am like morbidly curious and I do kind of have the desire to at least play it just to see. Because um, there's, there's actually two um, uh, Tingle games in Japan. Uh, and one of them, like, follows the story of the Wizard of Oz, but with Tingle or something. So, yeah, it's, like, it's weird. I was going to say Hyrule Warriors, but we already got our Zelda spinoff on there. So, anyways, table yeah. topic for this week is, uh... How shall we... Sorry, I'm trying to stall so that I don't have to change the timestamp on my topic here. Um, Because I'm going to start putting timestamps on the YouTube video like a fancy ass. Anyways, how do we make a good tabletop based off of an existing story game movie series or whatever? Um, And uh, maybe kind of reference some of the ones that we've played here. Because I've played several tabletops that were based off of some sort of an existing thing. And I feel like I haven't really had one that was 
any better than just like let's play 3.5 D and D and like shoehorn in some other content. And uh, I, I think I've, I feel like we have surprisingly similar philosophies on this, and that I'm like, uh, with most games, there's no reason you can't just take a skeleton of a system and just shove new mechanics onto it. Yeah. As like. Oh as exemplified by your Zombocalypse game. Right. Yeah. So or... For reference, this is a game that I kind of made when The Walking Dead was becoming popular, and I wanted to have some sort of a zombie apocalypse-like game. And it's, it's not exactly like The Walking Dead. It's kind of like if The Walking Dead happened, and then, like, several hundred years in the future, zombie apocalypse was all that any of these people knew. Uh, so they have some limited modern tech... Um, and as well, they're doing the and it, it. I basically took the rules of three point five and kind of cut them up and doled them out in pieces awkwardly, and it it fucking worked. So there you go. So, uh, I will say that uh, it really depends on what aspect of the property you want to emphasize, because apparently there's been like. Just as one example of a property that's had tabletop games made, apparently there's been like a whole bunch of Doctor Who tabletop RPGs, and they've all kind of played differently. Huh. Yeah, but that's the another thing is like, if I wanted to play a Doctor Who tabletop RPG, I would probably sit down with my group and just be like, okay, we're playing 3.5, we're playing Pathfinder, or... Maybe our actually what would really work well for that is our uh, homebrew system that Chris and I invented. Um, but yeah, I, I I wouldn't feel the need to go out of my way and buy a Doctor Who tabletop RPG book because of basically all the experience I've I've had where I've done something like that, or even sometimes I haven't even bought them. Like I remember I was at uh, the bookstore one time and I was flipping through a rule book for a Helsing. RPG. Helsing is uh, an uh, anime where um, it kind of follows this vampire and his underling, and uh, he kind of works for this lady, and it's really dark and anime-ish and stuff. Uh, anyways, it's like I, I was really into this anime at the time, and I'm like flipping through this book, and I'm like, it doesn't really tell you anything. It's like got v very, very bare-bones mechanics, if anything. And it was it was super weird that it existed um, because I didn't think Helsing was that popular of an anime anyway, <laughs> and I didn't feel like Helsing was the kind of property that you would need anything beyond literally just, like, the current system of the time was 3.5 D&D, so I didn't feel like Helsing as a property ne even needed its own system, and I was like, what is it gaining from this? And I flipped through the book, and I was like, nothing. So... So I, I am again. I'm gonna go back on what I originally said, where I said we're. I like the whole just having a skeleton of a system, and being able to adapt it to a lot of different genres. But for some things, that's inappropriate. Yeah. Uh, in the I think it was the old Fafs, FASA Doctor Who RPG. Hmm. They had it so people who like did violence always went last. Huh. An initiative. People who chose to talk when it was like talking, you'd go first. Running, you'd go after, 
and then shooting, you'd go last, I think it was. Hmm. And uh, so if you were to, like, do Doctor... I, I feel like that would emphasize the feel of that show better uh, than uh, 3.5, which really is a lot more about uh, combat yeah, in a lot of ways. Really, that and Pathfinder are really just combat-centric systems. Uh, and then the role play just kind of has to be put on top of that. That's kind of the duty of the player and the DM, obviously. But Well, in, in I don't that... know if I call it role play. Because, you know, in Doctor Who, a lot of it's like, you know, inner diplomacy, if we want a fancy word. But talky things comes first, you know. And then what yeah. comes second? Like fiddly things. <laughs> what does he fiddle with? What do you fiddle Tiny with as the companion stuff. or the Doctor? Perhaps timey-wimey stuff. But at that point, it sounds like roleplay is really, like, part of the game, how to resolve the thing, as opposed to roleplay just being this icing on top of mechanically kicking the shit out of anything that disagrees with you. Yeah, that's yeah. One, that's a conversation uh, we had so, another time on the podcast where we were kind of like, uh, can you really make a good mechanic around roleplay? And most RPG systems just don't. They're just like, okay, here's the mechanical side of things, and the RP side of things is completely up to you. And there's, um... Well, it's like... Opinions. <laughs> Roleplay in what sense, I guess, is the <laughs> question. Because when you say roleplay, um, I, I can think of... I think you mean as, like, an actor in, like, the role of a character. Is that is that unfair? No. Um, it's different in the term of an RPG, because you're, uh... You're... You're, it's kind of in the moment, obviously, and it's more interactive than an actor on a stage play, obviously, or or in a film. Because uh, if you're doing that sort of thing, then you've you know you've got your scripted dialogue or whatever. Or even if it is spontaneous, it's like uh, there's not any stakes. Uh, but in an RPG, if it's DM'd well, then it should have stakes. There should be something that you can affect through the actual act of talking it out between characters, be that PC and PC, or PC and NPC, or, or whatever. Uh, so there, there should be a mechanical effect, even if it's not a mechanical effect, if that makes sense. So it, it might not, like, give you a yes. bonus or a detriment in your combat, but it might change the way that the game actually functions like oh i'm talking to this boss he ends up like okay he sees my point something like that so now we don't necessarily have to have even rolling dice in that sense but right and actually i responded to chris earlier on this topic because i talked to him instead of stabbing him in the gut Right, because those interactions, like, I know Chris was flirting with an idea on the DM Jam earlier about, you know, introducing, like, relationships and implementing mechanics, and I kind of responded, you know, that feels kind of redundant, because, you know, if you want to protect someone that your character really cares about, you're going to do that stupid thing where you go to absorb whatever blow they take, and things like that. And... Oh, you posted that in the middle of the podcast, I haven't even had a chance to respond right to before, it. before, actually. But the point is that instead of, like, introducing mechanics into the game system, like, when you're role-playing your character, once you've done it enough, you start to care about what that character cares about. And you don't need mechanics to enforce your behavior or reward it. You just do it. 
God, I really don't like the idea of mechanics re- reinforcing or rewarding or punishing behavior because, you know, that's the point of playing in the first place. Mm-hmm. Oh god, I'm gonna have to both say my rebuttal and then type it later so that other <laughs> so that the other Beautiful. people have context on it. But what I'm gonna say is that it's mechanically it's a reward for you setting out to say, here's how I want this character to play and I'm going to act and it's a player-based activation. The, the thing I was specifically talking about, it's a player-based activation where they say, Elaborate I want to... with the audience. So the idea I was suggesting was something akin to, uh, not not just bonds, but like, but bonds were a big part of it with like enemies and allies. Where... Relationships. R- relationships, which was a part of what I was suggesting, not the whole thing where you could add to your character and say, in this kind of situation, like, my loved one is in danger, I want to have, like, a bonus to, like, a, I, I want to be like, this character really cares about this, so they're going to have a bonus to, like, attack and damage in that situation, uh, but they're also going to be more easily hurt in that situation. If their loved one does get hurt, uh, they're going to take damage. So the idea is that the player controls the activation of this thing which powers them up in some ways and makes them vulnerable in other ways uh, but the player is entirely responsible for activating so if they're just like I don't want to activate it, fine and if they say I want to activate this and the situation it's related to seems tenuous because they're in charge of the activation of it uh Generally, it would be allowed, except in, like, the dumbest circumstances. If I could counter your counter. I feel... So that sounds like a, quote, I go berserk mechanic, because my character cares about that thing. I feel like, quote, I go berserk putting myself at risk, because the objective of my action is that important to me. Should be a part of a good system. Not because they care about it, but just as a mechanical option, like, I'm gonna go fucking ballistic! You know? This is... This is a... about a more... This would be a way of representing this in, like, a more character-centric system. Or... So, as a kind of an idea for uh, how this could work, um, I'm thinking of it like uh, you... Because, like, let's take 3.5 or Pathfinder for an example. Obviously, you do have a go ballistic method, right? You can be a barbarian and you can rage, but only barbarians can do that. So only barbarians can gain an effect like that. Uh, But if you are a mage or something, then why theoretically couldn't you go ballistic and then heighten your focus so that your spells are more accurate or, or something like that? Uh, so the like, idea behind yeah. go ahead. So the idea behind this was as a more character, as part of a more character centric kind of thing, where mm-hmm. it's like these are about what your the the thing behind these would be more about what your character uh, cares about and less about like their mechanically specific build. Like if they're in a situation where they're facing down, like they're facing down the the object of their vengeance it would make sense that they would behave differently and get different advantages. Right. It's supposed to, like, 
kind of add to like a climactic showdown Mm -hmm. uh, uh, as opposed to a more strictly mechanics focused or like here's what I do as my character kind of approach. I feel like this might so, be an interesting thing to uh, create as like a thought project of like mechanics like this that any character could theoretically benefit of and then use it as like uh, like here's a pool of things like this that you can do, that you can rage or that you can uh, enhance your focus on a single target, but then the other targets get uh, better attack bonuses against you, stuff like that, and, right. and kind of create it almost to where it's like uh, all of these mechanic detriments and bonuses are like system agnostic, uh, and then you could theoretically do having... anything. And I feel like something like that could be could be created, and it could be a lot of interesting. It it could create a lot of interesting roleplay, and also include like a character requirement. To Chris's credit, be like, okay, why are you going berserk against this one target? Can't be. Oh, he's the most dangerous thing. Like, right. mm. Again, it has yeah, to it be... like relate back to your character specifically. So that would be something that I would say. That oh, I hate succubuses. I'm going to kill him. Like, <laughs> I I do kind of see your point on the player being like, I'm going to activate this. But in scenarios like that, I think the GM should be the arbiter because uh, that's kind of what the GM is there for. So like. Oh, I want to yeah. kill this guy because uh, I'm a paladin of uh, St. Cuthbert and he worships Paylor. So it's like yeah, if man. your character's like, I have a strong okay. sense of justice, you don't want them to be like, I'm activating this all the time and that's how my character... Because that, that's dumb. Yeah. Uh, so it'd have to be... It'd have to be reasonably narrow in application, I guess. Mm-hmm. But have a lot wow. of different things, maybe, so that you could, you know shoehorn in certain things where uh wherever they might be applicable but then it might be a different mechanic because you might be fighting for your loved one in one session and then in the next session you might be fighting for uh something else you know just to get the mcguffin back or something uh, and it would make sense that you couldn't activate it in that yeah, second or situation. but depending on the situation you might be able to activate something else depending on your character yeah. the scenario around you whatever I think that really lends credence to like an extended campaign where like as you play a campaign more and more and you play a character more and more, they'll begin to have certain phobias or interests that could influence a system like that. Gotcha. So if you, everything. <laughs> just about, but a better uh, example that more people could probably relate to is I don't know if Sturges are a relatable thing, but I know in the game we played for OD&D, an OSR game, Sturges are like giant mosquitoes that suck your blood. They latch onto you, and you have to like pull them off manually. But they were such a plague to us that every time we saw Sturges, just like you know, pop your collars, Sturges, pop your fucking collars, and murder those motherfuckers. Like I could totally see like a relationship with this Sturge race mm-hmm. being I, a result yeah. of that. Not something you make at character de- character creation, but something that just occurs yeah. naturally over the course of the game. Mm-hmm. Th- this would also be the kind of thing where it'd be like after the session, you'd be like, your character could pick up, like, a new thing that isn't, like, related to, like, their skills or experiences. That's more, but like, I wouldn't want it to be gameable either. Uh, so, this is in... This is, like, emphasizing a different kind of gameplay. 
this is this is not appropriate for like an OD&D. It, it would be totally inappropriate for that kind of game. Uh, I could work out something. Which, <laughs> if we're getting back into like on topic, which is part of why you, designing a spin-off or like a tabletop RPG for an existing property uh you have a lot of different ways you can go about it, and none of them are necessarily wrong, but it all depends on what thing you want to emphasize in the system. I think what Chris is saying, maybe, and what I would actually be my response to the topic is... Um, so, you take a look at Doctor Who, and what is Doctor Who but flavor? Like, you know... <laughs> Mechanically, what is Doctor Who? Like, time travel, space travel? Okay, those are pretty simple concepts. Sci-fi is so soft that you could... Uh, <laughs> they could rub it, it on your morning toast. Yeah. But you uh, you can take this flavor, this flavor of it, and frankly, you could apply it to basically any game, as long as your game master is flexible enough. So... I guess I would say don't like write a thing and publish it based off of a spinoff unless you're a soulless bastard <laughs> who's looking for a quick buck because I mean I can think of ways that I could apply just any movie title I can think of and, to my existing system that I work out of. And yet there's lots of things that are particular enough that they probably would benefit from like a specific set of mechanics that apply tack to on them rules. alone. Just tack on mechanics. Sure. Yeah, but then you're playing a different system. Which, to I be mean, fair, is kind of... systems can be as little as from the same skeleton. five new rules. But It doesn't even have to be a skeleton, though. It could be fully fleshed out, and then you just apply say, those rules to that entire... Let's say you wanted to say make a shonen battle tabletop RPG... Uh, a system like even the skeleton of the system of like OD&D would usually be inappropriate for that unless you're doing unless you're pushing it so far above the uh, curve that you're into that weird system of play and counterplay that that's that fair but Shonen is a genre it's a very um, i don't want to call it a genre but it's it's a very different scale really of power but the of it's individual not just, actors it's not just scale of power because there are there's like shonen where it's like they have the strength of a normal person and they have maybe one supernatural ability and so it's really the style of how the battles go down or how the fights happen or how the stories get played out as opposed to uh, the power level. I'm not talking like DBZ here. I'm talking more like Yu Yu Hakusho in the earlier seasons. No idea what Yu Yu Hakusho is. It's great. You should check it out. Don't have time. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like Basically, the main character in the early seasons is he is a normal person, and he has, at, at the beginning, he has just the one supernatural ability, which is the spirit gun, which he can use once, and then he's out of it for the day. Uh, hmm. 
and then past that point, he's just a normal dude. But the way the battles happen are still in a style that wouldn't happen outside of a shonen anime. What is that style? Uh, hard to explain. Uh, Would you say drawn out? Drawn is a good explain. And, and it's not even drawn out in re like relation to a real fight. Sure, like the fights happen in early, particularly early on and under an episode, but they have that kind of push and pull dynamic. I feel like the way that I would describe shonen fights in general is like they're not necessarily drawn out, but they're convoluted enough that one of the characters has to explain what happened and how they used their one or two powers in such a like clever combination. Like they have to come up with a clever way to use their simple power. Like Yu Yu Hakusho, for example, there's one episode where he's like fighting this monster guy uh, that he can't get a good shot on with his spirit gun. He knows he's only got one shot. And uh, so he knows like once he shoots, that's it. If he misses, it's over. And but the the other guy is really fast and he's hiding all over the place and doing stuff. And so he ends up using it. He shoots the spirit gun at a mirror and it bounces off and hits the bad guy. So it's it's stuff like that where they have to come up with a a clever way to use their one thing, uh, and, and it has to be a different clever thing every episode or it gets boring. Yeah, it's. It's close. I'd say probably the closest I've seen is actually Seed of Seeds. Like you're familiar with uh, like One Piece, so like, far. Uh, Luffy's power. You know, he's just he's sure. rubber. But every episode, he's like, oh, now I'm gonna do a gum gum million punch uh, machine gun or whatever. All of it. Every episode, right, there's not something every, different. Every episode, but like, and and eventually, like <laughs> once you're so far in, he's got like. His go-to powers, like the machine gun and the and the yeah. axe. But you do wonder, like, where he comes up with this stuff because he always debuts it on screen when, like, he he's clearly been practicing off screen. You're right. like, what the hell? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's, I, but what ha tends to happen in say D and D, at least in most versions of D and D I've played, is that it's very much rocket tag. It's who gets their bullshit off first? But not all of them. Not no, not all of them. There is, there is like that level of play and counterplay at certain levels with certain enemies. So as long as you have enough soak potential, you can get that like play and counterplay, and maybe I have turned the tides of combat by invoking this ability in this particular way, which you did not foresee nor prepare for. <laughs> but the push and pull still isn't there in the same way in that it's usually It's usually a one-sided I will overcome you unless someone else shows up. Yeah. Uh, it's usually the outcome is pretty clear pretty early on. And that's why civilization games kind of suck. But that's <laughs> another topic. <laughs> it's, uh, you're looking for you're looking for multiple kind of back and forth turnabouts, uh, and that that's just one example of one genre. When you have so many, it's like you probably would not. It, I don't. God knows why anyone would 
like play a two and a half men RPG. But if someone was commissioned to make an RPG like that, you probably wouldn't throw it in D and D and just say, "Okay, we're good." Uh, <laughs> I'd just be like, "All right, today, guys, we're playing two and a half men." Um, I got nothing. Uh, I'd be like, I'll, I'll DM some okay. stuff. There will be me, no uh, dice rolls. Have fun. All right. <laughs> okay, uh, you you can you'll do that. Why don't you keep talking? I'm just gonna polish this little thing and stick it in my mouth. Yeah. So actually, now this this topic, how to make good tabletop based off existing story, game, movie series, or whatever. I almost wonder if you could apply that to any topic. Like uh, a table topic could be how do you make a good tabletop based off of a show? How do you make a good tabletop based off of a sci-fi? How do you make it, etc. Right. Like that is a very broad topic. Now that thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. I actually thought about making like a shonen like uh, system where like I was thinking of Chris like weird uh, like mechanics like every time anybody in the party says or does something embarrassing like every other member of the party has to face fault <laughs> and you know all these weird kind of tropes like that but I was like I never thought of more than a few mechanics for it so I was like eh, I never got around write them down it. bro yeah eventually maybe I'll I'll think about it. write them down again, and it may coalesce into something that beautiful. we could actually design in the system that Chris and I are working on. So there, ha ha ha. Yes, you, Chris, you, you totally slut. Do that. I am a slut. Hmm. You know, you know, I love making systems. You you knew that when we started writing together. I mean, probably not. I don't know. <laughs> we didn't start writing together. I just started correcting your shit, and eventually you just gave up on it because I was correcting everything. <laughs> you, mean, you mean changing? I wasn't just changing it. I was like, hey, this is broken. <laughs> I'm going to fix it. And you're like, and I ran it by you, and you're like, you know, that makes sense. That, that, this is a simplification of like a couple of years worth of discussions. So do we have any good definitive answer on how to make a good tabletop based off an existing thing? No, no, because it's as complicated as making a tabletop in the first place. That's fair. Uh, if you're doing it on a whim, I think you can just graft it onto whatever system that you are most comfortable with as a game master. Mm -hmm. But if you want to make a whole new system to like publish and everything, you got to think through everything bit by bit by bit. Mm -hmm. I mean, you don't got to think. D depends on your. Depends on. If the you want to make something good. Back with. My like, philosophy is quality. I'm like, you can go with the OD&D philosophy of, here's a, here's a light framework skeleton. Or, I think this is more appropriate for basic, because basic was a lot clearer than OD&D and how it was written. Is that, here is a skeleton of a system, and we trust the creativity of you guys as DMs to come up with the rest. Which is still my preferred uh philosophy it is good though i think guidelines provided is bueno for yeah, instance i'm discovering new loopholes and like shortcomings in our mass combat system such as what do units on elevated platforms like towers get uh, <laughs> see, mechanically would, there's nothing <laughs> right now see i would just be like it would come up at the table and they'd be somewhat but he'd be like, shouldn't we get some sort of bonus? And be like, oh yeah, uh, this sounds right. And then I'd think about it later and I'd be like, shit, maybe we should handle it this way. Well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which so, is much closer. 
Yeah, which is much closer to how I feel like these games actually work. And a lot of it does hang on the DM, unfortunately. Or fortunately, because if everything is codified and written, you're always going to have that person who's like, but it says in the rules this. And they kind of like, I don't care. I, I, I actually don't give a fuck what the rules say. <laughs> Next game rulings. They're only there to make the game more fun. Since Chris has apparently abandoned five cataclysms. Sad face. Not abandoned five cataclysms. <laughs> yeah, you just see us like one day a month. For your custody, <laughs> legal something. I'm the fun dad. I take them to an amusement park and tell them their mom will pick them up. While You're totally the fun dad. You're 100 <laughs> the fun dad. I do the heavy lifting, and they just like <gasps> it's fun dad. I mean, I formatted the book too. So, eh? I mean, yes, that that's bueno. How come you didn't that. format our book, Chris? Uh, get to it, it's don't you worry. Docs. Google Docs does not allow much for in the way of formatting options. I could actually copy that. I do have a nice new formatting program. Swanky. Uh, yeah, well, oh, uh, one more. It and then put it back into Google Docs. Maybe I don't know. No, that. I mean, it would have to be say in a PDF or something. Format. Yeah, I'd, Docs. I'd have to make it into a PDF. The actual Docs file dot docs is frankly garbage. It actually scrambles formatting randomly. Yeah. No joke. Uh, like, I've, I I've noticed that it's like kind of screwy. Yeah, I've, I've like because I, I use Google Docs generally just as a like a, for accessibility because it's like okay, I can do it on my phone, my Chromebook, or uh, when I had a tablet or whatever, you know, PC. Everything has Google Docs. Like, uh, so I, I use it largely for that. But uh, then sometimes when I am like, okay, now I want to do like formatting something, I'll put it into open office and it, it'll just have like weird stuff in it sometimes where like spaces are turned into little blue squares i'm like what is this <laughs> granted so, chris does use a formatting that's basically alien to my computer <laughs> so every time i open something it's just like it breaks the derp, and chris is like oh i have this font that <laughs> you don't have and i'm just like I've well, downloaded you should, you like you should have five to fonts. ten fonts that you've told me to download, and I still am having this issue. I'm sorry that you don't have amaranth. <sighs> <laughs> Nick doesn't have amaranth. I, I edit the drink. shit. I do the legwork, and then he's like, "I'm gonna apply this like fancy font you've never even heard of to it," <laughs> and then now suddenly all your shit's fucked, and you're gonna have to respace it for the twentieth fucking I'm time. Sure the only... Spellbook. The only fonts are Arial, Times, and Comic Sans, right? Uh, that, I mean, Arial. Arial's pretty useful. Arial's nice for like printer paper. Uh, so what I was going to say is, uh, much much narrower question, and we could save this for another topic. But how would you, given that I was playing River City Girls earlier, how would you do a beat 'em up? tabletop RPG to simulate the feel of beat-em-ups. You get like a number the... of dice based on your power and however many sixes you get is how many times you hit. Everyone rolls at the same time. 
which is yeah i was actually thinking something pretty similar to that so because like beat 'em ups is just not a tabletop game but that's like the closest approximation but then how do you simulate the thing where you're playing co-op with somebody else and somebody picks up the food that you needed and you all scream at him it's just whoever shouts it out first or hits okay 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 what you do as a DM is you throw like a pink token on the table or something. Whoever grabs it first is the person who gets the fucking thing. Right, but they so, don't know. So you know, everyone like first. reaches for it and just knocks over drinks and food and just fries go everywhere. <laughs> like I got the fucking token. Like, bitch, I fucking needed it that. I'm like, a, it might be a healing potion and it might be like an attack up, power up, or stuff. It, it, you don't know until you grab it and then the DM tells you. <laughs> okay, okay. I mean, you do know based on the color it is, but really, you see a token come out and you're like, I'm gonna fucking grab that before anyone else can get it because I'm a piece of shit and I don't think about the rest of the team because we're not communists yet. Why Why do I flash back to a... Why am I flashing back to playing Gauntlet Dark Legacy? Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's what that... that, that I feel like yeah. I beat him that shouldn't be a question. kind of have, like, a mechanic, though, where, like, it's you or maybe a couple of party, you know, a small party, two or three or four guys, and then there's, like, billions and billions of enemies for no reason. So I feel like all the enemies have to be, like, chumps with one hit point or something. But or you just pick up these sixes and you roll them and you like scatter them around the table and the players pick up d sixes and if they're higher equal to or higher than the number on the d six they just knock that guy out. Yeah, kind of thing. It's like here's a bunch of mooks. You just need to roll a two to hit them and kill them by <laughs> snapping their esophagus. Yes, I said esophagus, not neck. <laughs> snap just their esophagus. I guess it's pretty soft, so it'd be hard to snap, but you could squeeze it pretty well. Yeah, that's, that's Collapse. Hard. You can make it go all any instead of Audi, and suddenly <laughs> their breaths sound like. You don't and they breathe die. through your esophagus. I think you mean trachea. <laughs> I think that's a better approximation of the death <laughs> cause. Uh, Anyways, I think we've been drink to the past for long enough. So my name is Sean Michael Patrick Thompson. As always, I've been joined tonight by Chris uh, and Nick. Uh, Shelly, tell people who you are. One of you. Nick, you, you show yourself first. I don't have anything from myself to show because the things that I publish aren't out there for the sake of me getting money. In that case, I, uh... go buy a churro stout. There, I, All right, I, I'll I do that. something for you. Can I show someone else's work, though? Yeah, sure. If you are a... I feel like Chris is going to inwardly sigh at me, but whatever. If you are a person who is trying to create a game world that makes sense in a semi-realistic context. Of course, you can apply magical flavors and whatnot to it. I would highly suggest Disunited Nations scramble for power in a disunited world. Disunited it's a book. Nations, it's about geopolitics. And it explains how we, the real world got to where it is, politically speaking, and where it may be going. And it provides a lot of insight as to what sort of forces kind of force certain nations to have a certain destiny. Fucking even if they politically fail, absolutely. Like Argentina! Argentina Your geopolitical has determinism has appeared on this show for the last country. time. For the last time, or... I'm, I'm, just, I'm just fucking with you. Yeah, I, I, I had to say something. Uh... Chris has so, salt with my geopolitical determinism because he doesn't believe in it yet because he hasn't done the rabbit holing that I have. 
I'm a geo. I'm a geopolitical indeterminist. He he mostly just thinks that people things that he doesn't understand. No one else can understand. I'm a political tautologist. If it's I good, for don't our even economy, know what that is. <laughs> it's good for our economy. You know, you can't that argue with that. I was expecting you to go with that. I was almost triggered, but then not. It was the best blue balls I've ever had. <laughs> For that, you have to drink it. Very well. Hi, I'm Chris, Impromptu Life Lessons Audet. You uh, can find my works on DriveThruRPG, uh, find my House of Flowers. Uh, yeah, you missed your chance to shill yourself, didn't you, buddy? Yeah. Well, you just uh, shilled me anyway, so whatever. Well, I was going to shill you, but now I'm not. You already did. Anyway, uh, uh, you can find House of Flowers for pay what you want on Drive Through RPG uh, as a adventure that'll work with that's broadly compatible with most D and D ish systems, not Fourth Edition. Uh, it's a good one also, if you're not concerned about deaths of players. You can also find Five Cataclysms Core Rules Beta Edition, which is still in testing, which was written by me and Nick. For low levels, it's solid. For upper levels, including mass combat, it is definitely a work in progress. And I am currently pulling my hair out over that. High-level D&D has always been kind of a bitch. However, you can find what has been touted as the way to design a high-level dungeon in the 100 Clones of Timothy the Wise, which you only have to pay, what, 8 bucks for, Nick? Seven ninety nine. Also, the cover art is amazing. Yeah, so... I highly recommend that you pick that up if you're looking for a good way of design, uh, of a good example of high-level dungeon design. The trick uh, is not limiting your players' characters. And then, you know, figuring out a way to deal with their bullshit anyway, because they have so much. They have uh, bullshit, you have bullshit, look at all this bullshit, how does it compare? Uh... I also highly recommend Descent into Madness and Mad Mask Spire, also by Nick who uh, refuses to shill himself. Uh, which you'll you also have to pay about $5 for each of those, but they're well worth the money. So go go check those out if you care and are listening at the end of Sons this. Sons of Madness is worth like 30 bucks if you're paying for... Uh, <laughs> that's 5 bucks, so... Yeah. But I'll do this for money. Alright, and of course you can catch a Drink to the Past every Friday on YouTube, Podbean, and Apple Podcasts. So whichever one of those things you like, uh, like and subscribe us to help us out so that more idiots can listen to us idiots talk about dumb stuff and beer. We're all idiots in the end. It's more fun that way, isn't it? Apparently. And now's the final I... segment of the podcast where we just yes. talk about random bullshit until somebody says something really, really awkward. And then I cut it off and it's like one of those out of context clips where you're